Hey guys, welcome to the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, Steve Pintado, and with me, not as always today, is my main man, not Jabron Curtis, because Jibs can't unfortunately make it today. But have no fear, the show must go on, guys. And like I was mentioning last week, we have actually a really great guest on tonight. He's been a, a regular during the regular season. Um, Edwin, the doc, the medical expert of fantasy football. What's going on, man? Not a lot's going on, man. Well, actually, a lot's going on, right? All the stuff, the pandemic stuff. I got my boards coming up that I'm taking soon. So just uh, trying to cram in as much studying as I can and, and sort of stay busy, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just it's all about staying busy, guys. And hopefully, if you guys play fantasy football, if you're listening to this, I'm hoping you do. Uh, you're keeping yourself real busy this off season, maybe doing more leagues than you would usually do. I know I'm on my seventh dynasty league, so uh, it's it's getting pretty bad right now. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do that, man. I've never been able to be more than like <laughs> like last year. I was in three or four, I think, and I had a hard time keeping up with them. Oh man, I was in three or four when I was like 15, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do it is when they're all on different platforms you know if you got like sleeper espn and nfl that makes it tough to keep up at least for me I don't know. yeah no i mean it's definitely a little bit of a challenge because you're going to actually have players that kind of you know you need them to do good but you also need them not to do good but it's just all good fun guys if you enjoy it i mean go for it i enjoy it so just just follow your passion guys that's all i can say but, you know, we're going to be talking some real fun things on the show today. Um, you know, we're talking some injury updates. That's why we brought Edwin on. You know, he has the 411 on all these guys' injuries. And we have a whole bunch. We have about 10 people we're going to discuss today and into detail and kind of give you guys, you know, the yeah, so the 411 on these players. And if this is something you should, you know, keep in mind when you're drafting them come this, you know, August or wherever you draft your team. So uh, we're going to get into that. But first, um, our new little segment that we're doing every week now is the coach's decision um, basically a question every single week now? Um, and this is a pretty good one, actually, I think, for you, Edwin, because you can kind of briefly maybe mention on Todd Gurley and due to his injuries, would it be risky or not to just go ahead and draft him over a guy like Melvin Gordon this year? Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough sort of uh, question to answer because it's so... I mean, it's just so great, right? Like, what the heck is going on with Todd Gurley? What's going on with, um, even on the other side, like the, the you know, uh, Devontae Freeman who left? It's like those dudes' health is so up in the air right now. But in terms of, like, if you're looking specifically at Todd Gurley versus Melvin Gordon from a health perspective, it's really, really hard to turn down the Melvin Gordon situation. I think that people, uh, the people, the Broncos showed last year that um, they they trust Philip Lindsay, but they don't think that he's necessarily enough. And so they brought in Melvin Gordon, who's super super talented and uh, can catch balls out of the backfield. He can do all kinds of you know all kinds of things. Basically, everything Philip Lindsay can do, and he's bigger than Philip Lindsay. Um, so I think that if you're looking at it just straight up Gurley versus Gordon, um, then then I definitely think that you have to lean. Gordon, but if I bring up the, uh, the fantasy points rankings, now that I'm part of fantasy points, right, I sort of can steal their rankings, I can look <laughs> at it. Um, so if you go to fantasypoints.com, by the way, you can subscribe for free, and they won't flip this. You'd like a 30% discount or something huge. Um, I'm only saying this, I'm, not, I'm really not saying this because I'm trying to like sell you, I don't get anything <laughs> out of it, but it's the, the genius minds, Joe Dole and uh, Scott Barrett, John Hanson, Graham Barfield, all those dudes over there, um, you can get their stuff for free right now. That's eventually going to be behind a pay- paywall, but that's nuts to me. Um, so if you're looking at Melvin Gordon, their rankings, their consensus is 17 for Gordon, 
and they're they're way lower on Gurley. They're 27 on Gurley total, and uh, he just dropped today for somebody who was that that he dropped. Yeah, he moved down today. So I definitely think that I would it's, it's, even from a health standpoint, I'd, I'd lean Gordon. No, definitely. I definitely understand that take there. You know, that Gurley's injury is definitely a major risk. Um, but for me personally, guys, like I think for them, I think I'm pretty sure they're really close in my rankings here. I'd have to really look to see where they're at at the moment. I can't think off the top of my head, but I would take the risk on Gurley. Uh, if it was Dynasty, I would definitely say Gordon. But in, in a redraft situation this year, I know Gurley's injuries is a big major red flag for a lot of people, and they don't even know if he's playing. And obviously, hopefully, when you make your draft selections, you're not making them right now. You're making them in August, and when they actually are back at the facilities and actually evaluating their players. But uh, I just think that you take the risk on Gurley because his workload's going to be, I'd say, at least another you know 10 to 15 possible snaps compared to Gordon because I, I just think Gordon's going to share some kind of workload with Philip Lindsay to, to some extent. And, you know, they have this great passing game now, and I think they're going to use that to Drew Locke's potential. I think he, he has the arm to do something big downfield, which could maybe at some point limit Gordon's ability to actually do as much as we really want him to do. As far as, you know, Gurley, his injuries comes with a big risk, but at least there is a full workload that no one else is really going to take into those opportunities unless he falls with injury. Again, that's the big risk, but... If you're looking towards 2020, I think I would take the risk just straight out of opportunity that Gurley has for this Falcons team coming this year. I can see that. Absolutely. But uh, that's the coach's decision, guys. We split on this one. Unfortunately, Jibs is not here, so maybe he could have made the tiebreaker, but uh, maybe next time, guys. <laughs> Miss Jibs. Yeah, I know. He, unfortunately, I don't, I'll tell you later, but he's not around at the moment. But um, we're going to do the injury updates here right now. He's actually playing Madden. But um, he'll be back on next week, guys. He had, he had some other things to do, too, as well. But um, we're talking the injury updates with Edwin now. Uh, like I said, we have about 10 people we're going to quickly go over and give you guys, and Edwin's going to give his update on where they stand financially, financially um, injury-wise, and <laughs> maybe financially, too. Maybe maybe we'll learn something new today about these guys, but we'll just give you a little detail about these guys and what you can expect out of them based off their injuries. So, Edwin, we'll start with the uh, first guy on the board here, uh, Mr. Jarvis Landry, a guy who had a real surprisingly great season this past year, but um, had hip surgery this offseason. Uh, where do we stand right now with Jarvis Landry's injury? So it's been pretty vague. There haven't been a lot of reports as to what is going on with, with Jarvis Landry. But to me, it sounds like it was a, a situation where they went in and did a quote-unquote, you know, the cleanup. Um, they, they maybe cleaned up some of the cartilage that was frayed. Um, he, it doesn't sound like it was a major procedure because sometimes those major procedures will take six months, seven months, eight months to get um, for players to get through. But he said to, just today, actually, that he is, is back in basically the, the rehab portion of the of the surgery he's working with the strength and conditioning uh plans and 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 uh and basically everybody that's sort of making him stronger and getting strength back so you know that was uh i think it was a february february surgery and here we are in may he's pretty much out of the woods he just needs to get strong so he should be ready for august and i really think that right now people are are really discounting jarvis landry uh, because of that surgery but i I don't view it as as a major issue well, that's great news because I, I really do like Jarvis Landry as a Justin player minus his injury. I think he had a really strong season last year, and everyone seems to be kind of undervalue him every single year in the league, and he kind of just continues to be a really strong wide receiver too uh, in those PPR, PPR uh, half-point PPR uh, fantasy league. So as long as he's on track, like Edwin said, um, by August, I think this is a guy who 
could probably fall to round five or six. Like, again, he does every single year, and he could be a guy you go out there, guys, and get that as a strong wide receiver, too. And even his own teammate Nick Chubbs kind of mentioned before that, hey, I would draft Landry over Odell. So um, take advantage of why you guys can because I think he's an, he's going to be – uh, a big product of this uh, re- resurgent season that the, I think the Browns could have this year in 2020. And going on to the next guy here, a fan favorite of mine, just because I am a Dolphins fan, um, a guy like Preston Williams, an undrafted guy out of the 2019 draft, comes aboard with Miami, starts off very strong, but unfortunately has ACL surgery in November. And Edwin, where do we see Preston Williams on track for this coming season? Yeah, so Preston Williams should be fine. The only thing that I worry about is that this is allegedly his second ACL since high school. I didn't realize that, but I couldn't really find a lot of information on it. Um, but what you need to know is that he was undrafted, but I think it was he had some off-field issues, didn't he? I think that's why he went undrafted. He did, yes. He okay, did so he, the number one predictor for success after an ACL surgery, according to the research, is uh, draft capital and and being young so between 20 and 26 and he he falls into both of those ter- categories basically right because he would have been a top three pick a top sorry top three like the top three rounds like he would yes, have gone yeah. in the top three or four rounds he was projected um and the fourth round is a cutoff um well actually the third round is a cutoff but he would have been right at that match point where he was sort of uh they, they viewed him as athletic enough um, to to still be able to find success after an ACL surgery. So you're looking at all those different sort of perspectives of what the research shows will, will allow him to continue to be successful. Will he be ready by week one? That's um, kind of pushing it. Um, a lot of people have um, come, like Cooper Cup came back in like seven or eight months, which was, it's pretty, that's pretty fast. The average is actually somewhere between um, 40, the average is 50 weeks. So that's just under a year. But that also is you have to take into consideration that, you know, a lot of some of those players, a majority of players actually in the NFL tear their ACL in August. And so if they tear their ACL in August, but then the next, you know, the season following doesn't start until September, then they're not, you know, they don't have a, they, they don't have a chance to play. So that extends it out a little bit. But the soonest that he could be back is the 10 month mark or so. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably pushing it since if he had just an isolated ACL, um, the only question with him is, is will he start on the, on the pup list? And that's just something you're going to have to watch. But from, from a, uh, performance standpoint, I'm not too concerned. Yeah, no, definitely. So like I said, keep your guys eyes out for, you know, Preston Williams, because if he ends up on that pump list, obviously isn't someone you're really going to want to draft right away. But if he doesn't, that kind of gives you some optimism, hopefully that, you know, this is a guy you could take in the later rounds, you know, maybe rounds between 14 and 16 and throw him on your bench and see what he's able to do. And maybe people might value him more. You know, he was a guy who led the team in targets and red zone attempts last season before he went down with that injury. The Miami Dolphins made no attempt to really get any real new wide receivers or targets uh, for this new quarterback or, or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick this coming year. So uh, this kind of gives you some kind of optimism that they actually really like Preston Williams and, really believe in what he's able to do on the field and he looked amazing out there while he was on the field so uh, this is a guy if you guys want to target maybe late in your drafts uh, again just be careful of that injury and see where he actually shows um, as we get closer and closer to August so and then the next one we have here is a double header uh, pair of running backs uh, unfortunately you know the both guys Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson Chris Carson major uh, hip injury um, week 16, while uh, you know Rashad Penny, Penny is recovering from a multi-ligament knee injury, I had to look that up, uh, and surgery. 
um, from, you know, <laughs> about, I think, a week before that, in week 15 or 14. So uh, both these running backs go down with injuries. What can you tell us about these uh, these these uh, these pair of running backs here? So the first, the first one, Chris Carson, he actually fractured a hit, and that's so uncommon in the NFL. That never happens to running backs. That's, I shouldn't say never, but it's not documented that it happens very often. So when you, when you look at uh, what he's coming off of, there's not a lot of research to go off. So you just have to sort of uh, play, you know, use your clinical knowledge, essentially, sort of what we know about tissue healing and stuff like that. So you know that he didn't have surgery. That's a good, that's a good sign. That means the fracture was able to heal on its own. And the second thing is that he is, you know, pretty much released for, for all physical activity. Now, I, that doesn't mean he's out of the woods. So he could come back and refracture. He could, he could hurt himself in that scenario. Um, it's just, it was a really bizarre injury. And so you can look at it from the perspective of, oh, that was weird. It'll never happen again. Or, oh, it happened to him once. Now he's, he's definitely more likely to, to, to do it again. And the, the answer, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, there's probably risk that you're taking on with Carson, but at the same time, you're probably not paying up very much for him. So if you can sort of st- uh, take him and then stash Penny in the later rounds, and that's really going to could can work in your favor. So from a health perspective, that that's what he that's what he's got going on. And it sounds like Penny had um, the way that he he tore his ACL sort of looks like it could have been a meniscus type thing too. Um, and that's tech, that's going to take longer because in the early stages of rehab, the, you can't bend the knee too much. Otherwise, you're going to sort of damage the, uh, the, the inside cartilage that they fixed. Um, so you really want to be careful. That's why those, those uh, recoveries take a little bit longer. So you're really looking at probably the first quarter of the season at least that Penny's going to be out. Uh, but when he comes back, again, he had, he's a high draft capital player. He did have multi-ligaments, so that's sort of the – it makes you a little nervous about his performance overall. But he's one of those dudes that, you know, towards the end of the season when, when running backs start falling off, if you can – if you stash him and then all of a sudden you, you know, you're down two, more, two running backs and you look over on your bench and you've got Rashad Penny there who's averaging 9, 10, 11 points a game at that point, that's, that's a really nice luxury to have. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, big fan of this running back field, uh, especially Chris Carson, a huge fan of Chris Carson. Uh, I just think he's just a strong overall tough running back who uh, I think is has upside to his game still. I know I guess this hip injury again, a bit of concerning like Edwin just said, guys, but um, he could definitely be someone you could draft as your RB2. Definitely a little risk involved with it, but he definitely has upside too because if as long as he keeps the starting job and can stay healthy and doesn't fumble the ball, guys, this is a guy who can dominate he's has back-to-back thousand yard seasons now so when looking about taking chris carson i mean it's obviously better if you took him as your possibly third running back but don't be too scared to take him as your you know rb2 if you can because he does possess that upside that Pete carroll is a big fan favorite of him and when you know Pete carroll he loves players he really loves them to death um so going with a guy like chris carson isn't a horrible thing but obviously there's some risk as you know, Edwin said about Penny, I mean, yeah, definitely a later round guy you want to stash, and especially if you can take advantage of like your IR spot, and if he happens to be out maybe on the pump or at least on the, you know, at least out for the first month of the season, you throw him on there and just let him kind of sit and see if he comes back. He did start to show something when he was back from injury, but he has been injured back-to-back seasons now, but they did, you know, put that first round capital in him, like Edwin said, so uh, he definitely is a guy you want to draft later, stash on a little bit. But again, injury may have him out longer than we would like to. But just hold on to him. He does possess some kind of upside in his game still that you could get later on. So. Um, going on to the next guy here, again, fan favorite of mine, this guy right here. Um, Calvin Ridley, 
Um, maybe not be as, as big of an injury, but uh, you know, he had an abdominal injury uh, that forced him to miss the final three weeks of the season. Maybe it's more than what I believe because I'm not a doctor like you, Edwin. So why don't you give us a little, <laughs> why don't you give us a little uh, insight on uh, Calvin Ridley? Yeah, so he had a, a groin injury. He had the uh, basically what what Odell Beckham had, where he had one of his muscles that attaches at the groin. You have like twenty muscles that attach at the groin, and it and it, it frayed or it tore. It, something happened to it, and he had surgery to repair it. The good news is that the research on that is really really good. When when players come back from that injury, they tend to perform just as well as they did beforehand. Um, that's sort of it's it's. Not a, I wouldn't say it's a small sample, but it's, there's just one study, right? It needs to be replicated. But if coming off of that that surgery, he should be fine from a performance standpoint. The only thing you worry about is whether he it will recur again or not. And we don't have a lot of good data on how often that actually happens with um, with those groin surgeries. But um, from a performance standpoint, it's actually one of the few surgeries that that players can have, and when they come back from it, they can perform just as well. Well, that's, that's fantastic news for me, to be honest, because uh, I'm a huge fan of Calvin Ridley this year, guys. I might have mentioned it once or twice on the podcast. Uh, I just think this guy's a tremendous talent. I think he's in a perfect situation with Julio. Uh, people may say that Julio's going to see more targets, but, I mean, Calvin Ridley was just playing just as well last year, guys, as Julio Jones. He actually was playing a little bit better. I believe he was wide receiver 13 uh, before he went down with injury, and I believe Julio was wide receiver 17 at that time. But over the last three weeks, Julio happened to just go off crazy, uh, kind of what happens when you're the only target on the team. But Calvin really is a guy I think you definitely want to target um, in those like you know, round five to seven, and because he's got upside, he has that kind of like Chris Godwin like um, you know season in front of him because I think he's you know he's only 25. He's got Julio Jones to take the you know the harder coverage off him while he gets that softer coverage. He's got Matt Ryan throwing the ball still. Again, this is a pass first team, guys. Even with Todd Gurley sitting in that backfield now, it's still a pass first team. And, you know, Matt Ryan always seems to perform better after a second year um, with his off- new offensive coordinator. So this is the year he does that. So uh, I think with, you know, the loss of, you know, Hooper and Sanu, I think Ridley is primed for a big bounce back season. And again, but like Edwin said, you shouldn't be afraid of his production coming back to normal. So uh, going to the next pair of guys here, um, Marvin Jones, Matthew Stafford, Detroit Lions guys, both, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford dealt with some kind of back injury that forced him to miss half the season. And, you know, Marvin Jones had an ankle injury that missed, had him for, miss the final three weeks of the season here. Edwin, why don't you tell about these guys' recoveries? Yeah, so... So the first thing that we have to sort of talk about here is Marvin Jones and how when I was doing research on AJ Green, I realized that Marvin Jones is like one of the oldest fantasy relevant wide receivers uh, that's left. So you have, let me go to the website here. I'll pull it up. Um, He, it's like him, AJ Green, Danny Amendola, um, uh, Julian Edelman, and, and Julio Jones. And those dudes are like, the oldest receivers in the league, which I had no idea. Um, so when you look at when you look at their age, you really have to determine whether okay, am I uh, am I going to draft? Is this a redraft league or is this a dynasty league? Um, why you know what is the sort of purpose of what I'm doing? Maybe if you're in a dynasty league, you're looking at Marvin Jones and you're saying he's had several um, he's had several uh, ankle issues. And, you know, there, he's got this chronic, it seems like this chronic instability is what you call it, where his ankles just sort of constantly, he's constantly rolling it, you know, constantly twisting it. And that can definitely become a problem. 
So if you're looking at it from that perspective, then you definitely can look to sell Marvin Jones. But if you're in a position where you are, you know, um, like you're in a win now position, basically, then you can pick him up for probably cheap because people just don't value him the way that they should. Uh, but yeah, he's 30 years old. I think either there are three or four wide receivers who are older than he is um, in the entire league. So that's definitely something that you want to that you might want to jump on, depending on what, what position you're in. Yeah, no, definitely. I couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Marvin Jones um, over the past year now, and I, I tell people all the time, I, you just see if you get him low. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, through week 13 was wide receiver 11 on the board. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy who gets probably 100 targets this coming season here in a pass-heavy offense. I know DeAndre Swift's there now, but again, this is going to be a team that's going to be probably behind in games here. They lost their best cornerback this past offseason here. They play in a really tough division and a conference, so they're going to be versing some pretty uh, tough heads here. And Marvin Jones, again, this is a guy, as long as he can stay healthy, He's going to see 100 targets at some point this season, so you're going to expect big production out of him. Um, again, injuries, the risk on this year. Obviously, Edwin said he's had multiple ankle injuries over the last couple of years now. Um, uh, again, Dynasty, definitely a good buy low if you can, if you're on a championship-winning team. In a redraft right now, I think if you get a measure wide receiver four, I think you have a steal for yourself somewhere in the rounds you know, 10 or later, possibly. So uh, Marvin Jones is a guy, again, as long as he can stay healthy, I mean, he produces every single year for an old guy. <laughs> before, before we move on to Stafford, I have it here in front of me, right? So you have, so you're looking at these ages. Wow, I did not realize that Jimmy Graham was that old. Wow, Ooh, it's like, um, he's 34. I didn't realize that. So you're looking at, let's see if I can find a Marvin Jones, and he is 30 years old, and that is okay. So you got Marvin Jones, and then the next receiver that's older than he is would be Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Who's, so that's one. That's thirty, um, and then Jermaine Curse is—he's still active. Well, he's thirty. He's on the, uh, let's yes, see. C.J. Gosling's not fantasy relevant. So there's really just two so far that are fantasy relevant, older than Marvin Jones. Then you got Jerome Brown, who's not fantasy relevant. Nope. And you keep going on. You got T.Y. Hilton. That's the next guy. So you got thirty-one. So there's two, and Jarius Wright isn't. And you got all these dudes. And the last one is going to be. Uh, Danny Amendola, the last ones are Danny Amendola and uh, Julio Jones, and then you got Michael Crabtree. So those are the dudes that are older, fantasy relevant dudes that are older than than Martin Jones. So he's definitely an elder statesman. Wow, thirties and but moving on to Matthew Stafford, like you asked about, he is definitely a quarterback that you have to consider um, your situation again. So he is thirty two years old. He's got recurrent back fractures, so the vertebral the vertebrae is back. He's fractured those multiple times, and that, 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 that tends to be a bad sign, especially for a quarterback who's 32. He's not necessarily young anymore. Um, so even though he can bounce back, and when he's on the field, he balled out. He showed that last year. You're still at putting yourself at a certain risk if you take him early, early in, like, I don't know, the eighth round, ninth round, ten round even. I feel like that's a little early for him just because you're putting yourself in a position that is not um, safe, per se because he he's no slam dunk to stay healthy the rest of the year this isn't one of those injuries that if he's if it's happened once then it can happen again and then it did happen again and now you're looking at it could potentially happen for the third time so that's what you're looking at with with matt stafford yeah no uh couldn't agree more with you he's definitely a risky guy right now because he's been injured constantly over the last couple of years now and but he balls out like you said he balls out when he's on the field there i mean just you know he was a top a uh, top 12 fantasy wide receiver before it went 
top receiver, top 12 uh, fantasy quarterback before he went down this season. And he's been a guy who's just consist- consistently a top a top quarterback in this league, guys, in fantasy football. Super underrated. But, again, injuries are becoming a concern at his age at 32 now. Um, like Edwin said, I think a guy you can get in the later rounds is, makes more sense. I think I'd pair him up with somebody, maybe someone who's younger, who has, like, an up-and-coming thing like a Drew Locke or, you know, like a Haskins, someone who has that upside who's still youthful. Um, I think Kyler, I, man. I'm all over <laughs> Kyler this year. Yeah, even Kyler. Yeah, Kyler would be another great guy. You get Kyler early and take Stafford late. I think it's just a nice combo to have on your team here uh, overall because I think, think Stafford has games where he can, he's going to ball out. Uh, in just consistent basis, so uh, Stafford, yeah, as long as he can stay healthy, he's definitely a uh, you know later round sleeper this year. Um, going over the next guy here, and I'm surprised I didn't talk about this one beforehand, but uh, Paris Campbell, uh, you know, he suffered a foot fracture in Week 14, forced him to miss the regular season, the rest of the season. Definitely was hurt on and off the rest of the season here. Um, where do we stand with Paris Campbell uh, coming back this year? Yeah, so he's one of those dudes that's like on my list that I've been trying to get, get done. There's so many, so many dudes that people have asked me about. So I looked into it a little bit, and the thing about Paris Campbell is that it doesn't seem like it just he's got this string of weird injuries. Like he's got the hand fracture and the foot fracture, and that makes me a little nervous because you know most fractures in two different, completely different parts of, of the body can indicate, uh, especially since they're not as common. Um, can indicate some some sort of you know bone density issue, and if that's what is going on, then he's going to have recurrent fractures. That's not common, but it is possible at this point. Um, and what actually ended up sending him um, to the IR at the end of the season was a groin injury. But like we know, like we just talked about, those people tend to come bounce back from those. Um, so from a long term perspective, I think he's worth a flyer. People have sort of written him off as injury prone. But I think at this point, you can sort of look at him and say, oh, you know, this is, you know, I'm going to pay whatever amount for him. It's not going to be that expensive. He's going to sit on my bench. And once Philip Rivers gets out of town and then they hopefully draft somebody in the next, you know, maybe maybe Trevor Lawrence next year, who knows, um, and he's got somebody to throw deep bombs to, then you can definitely have an investment in, in Paris Campbell. But from a health perspective, he's he's just one of those dudes that you can sort of you just watch, I guess. He's like a watch. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely a watch and see what happens. If you have him, I'd hold on to him. If you don't have him, I mean, if you offer, if you get an offer for you know nothing on him, I mean, yeah, take him. Uh, in terms of redrafts this year, I mean, he's definitely a late round flyer, uh, just because he's going to be paired up with uh, Philip Rivers this coming season year, there. I mean, this past season, I believe they have had Jacoby Brissett had about a little over four hundred attempts. Um, and, you know, Philip Rivers had close to 600. I expect somewhere in between, maybe close to 500 attempts. Again, T.Y. is the best wide receiver after that. I mean, it's a shoot. I mean, Jack Doyle, Michael Pittman, um, you know, Zach Pascal. I mean, any one of these guys at that point could be the number two on this team, and it could easily just be uh, Paris Campbell. So he's definitely someone I would rather, you know, wait and see on and take a late-round flyer and hope that he kind of, like, makes that second-year leap that he missed in year one, so... Um, going to the next guy here, uh, another young guy, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, was dealing with a shoulder injury all through the second half of the season, um, kind of forced him to miss games at some point. I know at one point I, we were you know talking that he physically just couldn't even be on the field. That's how bad his injury was. And then he came back the week after, a very big head scratcher. But um, where do we see it? You know, is his injury going to be something that we should be concerned about? No, you know what? And that's, that's it feels nice to say that because you don't have to worry about it. Usually I'm talking about how much you got to worry about somebody. But uh, no, with his shoulder injury was actually sort of random. He's never had fractures in the past, and that's what it, I think. That's what it ended up being um, from from my research. What I can remember is he had a, a shoulder fracture, 
Um, and that's just so peculiar. And he kept sort of ramming himself into defenders, which was not helping his case. Um, and once it heals and once that shoulder is sort of back stabilized in place, uh, then then I think that he can he can move on from that. And I don't see this sort of being a negative to, to Josh Jacobs at all. Yeah, um, I'm glad to hear that because I'm a big fan of Josh Jacobs this coming season here. I, I think he is primed to take that next leap. I know they drafted Lynn Boylan. They re-signed uh, Jalen Richard this offseason here, but I just don't see them as a comparable guy. I think these are both, you know, Jalen Richard's a pass catcher at best. You know, Boylan is a guy who can kind of play all over the field, but I don't expect him to be a guy who's going to be a workhorse back and take away from Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is the prime guy of this team here. You know, you heard that they want to get more involved in the passing game. I do believe they're going to try to do that and bring that element that when Josh Jacobs on the field, he can do it all, you know, passing, pass catching or running the ball. They have to make that, you know, so he kind of becomes a dual threat guy that they have to worry about in all phases of the game here. And again, he was playing real strong. I know people saying that he had issues, you know, being longevity with the carries, but he was still playing very strong late in the season, even without, with all those carries this coming year. So, again, the shoulder injury obviously doesn't help that late season, but I, I think he's able to, you know, carry that workload that he gets 250 this year, at least maybe a little bit less, maybe 225. But uh, Josh Jacobs is definitely a guy, second round, that you could definitely take, maybe late second round, but take advantage of uh, beer, you know, even your RB1. I would be really okay with him being my RB1 this year. Agree completely. Thank you. Um, going to the next guy, a little less relevant, but definitely a guy we should keep our eyes on because he had a really great for rookie season. But Chris Herndon um, did fracture his rib, uh, you know, when he got back from suspension, literally the next possible game he could possibly play. Uh, he went out for the rest of the season here. Do you have any news on Chris Herndon? So that, that was so strange, the Chris Herndon thing, right? Like he had, a, I think it was a hamstring injury that was bothering him. Um, in the first place and that's what you know they said he's coming back oh he's not coming back he's coming back he's not coming back and eventually he um, went on the IR with the ribs fracture so those are sort of like I don't want to say necessarily like freak accidents or freak injuries but they to a certain extent they are you don't see them as often um, be debilitating to players the way that have sort of held him back and so you I'm scrolling through his history right now and it's literally hamstring 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 so yeah, I'm not very, very concerned about him. I actually think that he might be, um, you know, from an injury standpoint, he might be a good a good player to target. But at the same time, you never know what's going to happen in that offense, man. Like, Adam Gase yep. is a complete <laughs> madman. Um, you can say, you, you know, you can say whatever you want about Adam Gase, but I think that uh, it seems like his uh, tenure with Peyton Manning uh, is sort of carrying him in his career right now because you really haven't seen him do a lot um, maybe that's not a fair assessment because the Jets, their their team was just depleted last year with injuries and, and the whole deal. But, you know, when you have somebody like Sam Darnold and you're supposed to be the quarterback whisperer or whatever, whatever, um, you know, you'd expect pro- a better season than, than they got. And then the way that he just, like, handles the Le'Veon Bell thing, I don't know, just from what Adam Gay shows us, I'm not really a fan of him, like, from what he's shown us as a dude. And I'm also not really a big fan of him as a coach because I don't really think he's done much to – be as arrogant as he is, especially when he talks about, you know, Le'Veon Bell and all the stuff about, oh, I don't, you know, I don't think that, uh, I don't make those decisions. I'm not a personnel guy. It's like, come on, dude, like, grow up. How old are you? Uh, he's, he's, uh, I don't know what he's is. Peyton Manning guys made his career. I saw a tweet on that today. I, I laughed. It was because that's 100% true. That's literally the only reason why he has jobs right now. Um, yeah, Chris Herndon, definitely a late round flyer type of guy, um, but just keep your eyes on him. I mean, Adam Gase never really used tight ends uh, in Miami as a head coach. I mean, Herndon is really good, though. Uh, I think he is a, just a big bodied for Sam Donald. Hopefully he can stay on the field. That's the number one concern. 
Um, but definitely a guy you could take late in your drafts here, but I wouldn't be targeting him too early, but someone you could take a flyer on and see if he can kind of bounce back after a bad sophomore season. So uh, one guy I, I love to death here, just as a football player himself, but uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, suffered an elbow injury that knocked him out for the regular season early on, I think after week two or three it was. Um, where do we see Big Ben now? Because he's got the beard gone, he's throwing again. Where, where do we have on him? <laughs> yeah, beard's gone, right? So he's, he's, he's Superman now. No, I think that uh, Big Ben is is progressing fine. He's progressing well. Um, another surgery that is actually really, really um, positive in terms of how it responds to surgery. Um, people who have baseball pitchers who have the surgery come back and they're a lot. Um, they actually throw faster, which is nuts. And um, the surgery holds up really well. So it's one of those things that you see, if it's good enough for a baseball player, it's good enough for for Ben Roethlisberger. So when he comes back, you can expect that, you know, he should be fine. At the same time, he's 38 years old. Uh, I'm not saying that he is, you know, going to get injured or anything like that. But when you're when you're that age and when you're, you know, I'm not necessarily the best, the guy that's in the best shape in the world. But for an NFL athlete, you think maybe Ben Roethlisberger would be in a little better shape. You start to worry about his conditioning and how his body will hold up in general. Um, so those are the things that I don't even really necessarily worry about the elbow itself. I worry about like his overall uh, conditioning and, and his physical health in that sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that's good to hear. I mean, conditioning is... Because a, if you, sorry, one more thing. Because if you think about it, he's like the anti-Tom Brady. Like Tom <laughs> Brady says that he does all these, like he eats like whatever, vegan ice cream or whatever the heck. And then you got like Ben Roethlisberger who looks like he eats only cheeseburgers <laughs> every day. So it's like two different styles going about it. But it seems like, you know, the, the Ben Roethlisberger style is probably a little less sustainable. Yeah, definitely. No, but Big Ben's, a, you know, he's a professional. He, he's going to find a way to get back in the game here. I, I think he loves this game so much. I know he's flirted with the idea of retirement, but again, he's got a couple months now. Hopefully he's been, you know, working on a little bit during this quarantine guys and trying to get back on, on track here a little. I know at one point, I think we saw him during a, a game and I was like, who's that guy on the field? Who coaches that? And they were like, oh, that's Big Ben. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That's not Big Ben. It looks like a linebacker or a coach who's been on the who's been just chilling for his last career here. I mean, come on. But yeah, I mean, as long as, you know, I think everything at this point says Big Ben's going to somewhat come back as long as he can put himself back into that football shape. Um, he's got the uh, most, probably one of his best core depth core of, uh, players on this team he's had in a while. Um, and I think he can win with this team here. And it's definitely someone who I think is being overlooked still because of all this young, talented quarterbacks that are coming up right now in the league that Big Ben's kind of being thrown aside a little bit. Um, if it's to me, to be honest, if it's me, and I'm, again, I'm a guy who likes to draft late and draft for quarterbacks, I wouldn't mind taking Big Ben as my number one because I think he can still put up big numbers with this offense here. But again, there's some risk to his game. He hasn't played in a year. Well, not a year, but he will be out of football for a while now, guys. So that could take some effect to his game. But overall, I think he's definitely someone you could definitely target late and take and take a full advantage of this new uh, Steelers offense. And going into the next guys here, uh, this is some star factor guys. Now we're getting the star, some of the star players here, and it's Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Both suffered some killer hammy injuries, back to back games, ruined some of my fantasy seasons this past year. But um, you know they, they missed the final few weeks of the season. Um, should we be concerned about these? You know, with the new look Tom Brady. Yeah, so the thing that you worry about with hamstring injuries is that hamstrings, the, the number one predictor for another hamstring injury is previous hamstring injury and age. So people who, uh, uh, players who tear their ACL tend to be between 25 and 27-ish, 
and that's exactly where Mike Evans is. I think that Chris Godwin's like 24. Um, but if you were going to worry about one of them, if you were going to say, hey, I'm in the dynasty and I can choose between the, one of these two dudes, I would probably say choose uh, Godwin because his, his injury history is less extensive. So that's, that's the route that I would probably go with that. But from a general standpoint, I don't view them as like major red flags. I just view them as two dudes who have had hamstring injuries, and I'd say Mike Evans is a little a little riskier depending on where you take him. Uh, but I would definitely not not a reason to to disbate them altogether. Awesome, cool. So I just wanted to bring that up, guys. I mean, these guys are both top talents and you know top twenty picks or so in fantasy, maybe top twenty five. Depends on where you see Mike Evans. But uh, if you had any concerns about their late season injuries, I mean, hopefully the hammies don't come back. But they should be good to go with you know the new look uh, Brady Bucks. Uh, came up with that one, Brady Bucks uh, in Tampa now. So, uh, <laughs> moving over to the probably one of the biggest guys that we talked about all last year, who just continued to give us hope and never saw the field was AJ Green. His injury early on, ankle injury, first day of camp, kind of just ruined the rest of his season. IR on week seventeen for some reason, trying to just just to give us enough hope for the fantasy playoffs and never play. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there any issues with AJ Green now? Is there? Is it still going to linger? <laughs> I think that if you if you if you're expecting wide receiver one top ten production AJ Green, I think that you're sort of setting yourself up for failure. Um, he's had he's 32 years old. He's another he's one of those dudes that's older than Marvin Jones, and he's 32 years old. Now they have um, they have Boyd there, and they got they just drafted Higgins, and they have sort of this new look offense. So I, I, I view him in that offense from a health perspective just more so as a compliment now. He's a dude that, like, is sort of just makes – like, he's nice to have, if that makes sense. Like, he's not going to be the star player that we are used to seeing just because of his age, his history, everything. Even before he had the ankle reconstruction, which was a major surgery, he had – he'd missed, like, the entire 2017 season, I think with a hand or half of it with a hamstring injury, 2018 season. And he had turf toe before that, like three or four times that turf toe. So this dude, even before the ankle reconstruction was constantly getting injured. Um, and there are sort of related injuries in terms of being connected tissue in nature. And so now that he's coming back at 32 after this massive ankle reconstruction, I just wouldn't bank on him being your wide receiver too necessarily. Um, he's going to be a dude that if he does sort of um, break break the mold and, and is super productive at age 32 after a major ankle reconstruction, then you know, if, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be AJ Green. But I wouldn't bank on that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, guys, he's missed at least – he hasn't played a full si- – Six, he only played two full sixteen game seasons since twenty fifteen, so I know yep. he's got a he's got a talent to his history, but just be cautious, guys. I mean, I know people are like, well, Joe Burrow's there, it's gonna be great. Well, the injury is still somewhat of a concern, and I just don't believe don't believe that Joe Burrow is gonna be there and just gonna make AJ Green a dominant wide receiver again. I just don't see that happening. The way that Joe Burrow plays the game, it's gonna. It's going to make other guys like a guy like Tyler Boyd, you know, maybe T. Higgins if he gets on the field a little bit more. Guys like that, I think, could see more of a benefit of factor than A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green will be a decoy more often than not on the field there. He'll get his. He'll have some fantasy relevant games. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to have a great, bad season, but just don't expect him to have those, you know, big seasons when he had, you know, 1,200, 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. It just doesn't see that in his future right now, especially at his age now. And those injury concerns are definitely something you guys want to take a take a real notice on when you're looking in your redrafts or if people offer new trades for A.J. Green this offseason in Dynasty. So. Um, and going to the next pair here, and more wide receivers, guys. Wide receivers seem to be most injured position in the last year in football, but 
Um, two big guys here, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffries. We know Deshaun Jackson, core muscle injury in week two, basically missed the rest of the season at that point after tearing it up week one. And now Alshon Jeffries, foot injury, um, you know, made him miss, uh, you know, last couple months, the last month or two of the season uh, after the, you know, game over the Giants here. Uh, where do we see these guys now? Is there is there some caution for concern right now for these guys? Yeah, so for Sean Jackson, he is also one of the older dudes, and he has been a burner his entire career. And even though that the injury, that surgery that that he had is is really really successful, he's really on that extreme end of the spectrum of the people who are included in the study in terms of age. So to say that it's going to be a slam dunk and he'll be fine is is really difficult to to say at this point. Um, I think that just given his overall physical capabilities and what he brings to the table, he's always going to be one of those downfield threats like Ted Ginn, right? It's like Ted Ginn's like 35, but since the only thing, one of the, well, I mean, his best, you know, attribute, Ted Ginn's best attribute is just flying down the field. He's able to do that for you know an extended period of time, um, despite you know injuries and, and age and all that stuff. So I can see that going Deshaun Jackson's way, but at the same time, he's had so many other injuries like hamstrings and stuff like that. Again, he's another dude you put on the end of your bench. He's a dude that it's Monday night, you're down by 15, and you can choose between Deshaun Jackson and, I I don't know, you know, Ito uh, uh, Smith or something ridiculous, right? God. And you're, you're like, well, you know, screw it, let's throw caution to the wind. And then Deshaun Jackson catches a 90-yard bomb. For, for a touchdown and then has three or four more receptions, right? And you just won, won the night. That's that's how I view from a physical uh, capacity how I view Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, I want nothing part of Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I, I just, it's just a guy. I mean, he hasn't had a 1,000-yard season since 2016, guys, at this point. Um, he's an older guy now. He continuously gets injured season after season, it seems like, at this point. And, you know, this new Eagles team kind of got some young talent in there, some young fast guys. They don't need Deshaun Jackson as much now. Uh, they may let Deshaun Jackson play less and just be effective in, on less snaps if he can be. Uh, so it's real possible. Honestly, if you could avoid him in drafts, I would. I got to see at some point his value may take over, you know, in the later rounds if he happens to fall. But he just isn't somebody I would feel comfortable starting week in and week out. And even in a good matchup, he could end up having, you know, get injured or have a dud game easily. Or he could blow up for 200 yards. Who knows? But it's just not a risk I'd rather take. I'd rather just keep away from him and go with someone a little bit more consistent. The next guy that you that you talked about, Alshon Jeffrey, he's one that I do worry about a little more. Um, I think he's 30 years old as well, Alshon Jeffrey. God, it seems like we're talking about these older wide receivers. Yeah. Um, he is, let's see, Alshon Jeffrey, I think he's 30 years old. He's 30 or 32. He's 30. Um, he is 30 years old. And he is coming off of a – he. He uh, had a list rank issue, so he tore the ligament in between his first and his second metatarsals, so the, the bones that are right before your toes, the, the ligament that holds those together. He actually tore that in that, that Monday night game, I think it was, um, and he can't, he had surgery for it. The problem is that that specific injury, um, there's a new study hot off the presses by, uh, I think Singh is the, is the first author's last name, and they, they had a, it was a small sample, I think it was like 30 players, 35 players, NFL players, and they looked at them for two years after a list rank injury, um, uh, after surgery specifically, and they found that after the year after, that players are typically 21% less productive than they are, excuse me, than they are uh, before the injury. So if you sort of 
look at Alshon Jeffrey's age, you look at his play style of play, his physical de- the physical demands of how he plays, and then you also add in the fact that there's this sort of production dip that happens. It's really hard to be in on Alshon Jeffrey this year from a health perspective. Yeah, wow, God, that's great information. No, that's really great, Edwin. Um, yeah, like I said, I, Alshon Jeffrey, guys, at this point of his career now, I mean. I don't even know if he's the number one wide receiver at this point. I mean, I guess you could say he is, but I, I Alshon Jeffrey's the type of individual at this point, guys. He's not going to put up big 1,400-yard seasons. I, I, he hasn't really ever really been that kind of guy either. He's going to be a guy who maybe gets you 700 yards, maybe six touchdowns somehow this season. Um, again, the injuries will pile up and age will pile up on him, and it's going to be a new look Eagles offense here. Um, I think he's definitely somebody you could draft later, uh, someone who could be your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, if that on the fantasy team. Um, but again, his production is minimal at best, and I just don't see him getting enough production to be a really big fantasy asset. And again, as Edwin said, if their production co- happens, they maybe come down a little bit here. I mean, he hasn't been a really relevant guy over the last couple seasons anyway to be a consistent option. So uh, again, another guy I would probably just stay away from and hope for, that someone else takes on that burden. And there's one surprise in here, Edwin. Real quick, though, I just got to know. I, I forgot to put this in here, but someone had asked me, Dalvin Cook, shoulder injury, you know, should we be concerned? Let's talk in dynasty terms. Okay. I think this is the last year you can – I think this is this is Dalvin Cook's last year um, where you can sell him at peak. I think this is. I think that he's already dropped off some. I think that he is um, at a, a risk to re-injure a lot of different parts of his body. He's he's his pre, he's got previous hamstring issues. We've already talked about hamstrings. If you have one, that means you you're risk for another. He is 25 years old, I think, and um, you know that he's he's going to play for that contract money. And um, no, he's 24. He'll yeah. be 25 in August. So this is sort of when when players will start to. Um, uh, teams will start to lose interest, especially since they have uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Man, the dude is a beast. And uh, wait, is that his name right? Did I say that right? Uh, Alexander uh, Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. 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 There you go. Alexander Madison. Um, so especially when they have him in the, waiting in the wings, like they don't they won't necessarily prioritize Alvin Cook. Now, does that mean that he'll that he won't be productive? No, the dude's probably still going to finish at least as like a top ten back if he stays healthy. Um, on a points per game basis, he's he's still an absolute monster. But if you're looking at it from a dynasty perspective, it's probably time to sell because of everything, his entire history. He's, he's dislocated his shoulder four times since high school, and he's had surgery for one and not for the other. And there's about a 50% recurrence for shoulder dislocations once they happen uh, one time without surgery. And we don't we know that he hasn't had surgery on the last one. So there's nothing saying that it won't, it won't, do, it won't happen again. So um, the SC thing, the SC joint thing is also sort of concerning because that's a very strange NFL injury that doesn't happen often. And, you know, it's leading me to believe that he has connected tissue issues at some point, potentially, um, just because that's such a, a rare, that joint hardly moves. And so if it's getting a ton of movement and, and getting sprained, then it's, it's probably moving more than it should. And that makes me wonder about his connective tissue since he also had an ACL. So, you know, that's all connective tissue. And I wonder how um, all that's affecting him. But at the very least, if you just want to look at his shoulder, um, he's got about a 50%, 50% chance to, to re-dislocate it. And that the average time for that, um, that they miss is three weeks. Definitely, and then I'll keep my part short, guys, because we're getting out of time here. I've never been a fan. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I think he's got great talent on him, but he's consistently injured in redrafts, guys. I think he's the seventh or eighth best player off the board at that point. Uh, again, like everyone said, Solomon Dynasty, honestly, this is the time. 
Uh, I just think I think even if he resigns, I don't think he's going to be as productive, and the injury concern will probably go up as the older he gets, guys. So um, sell him now if you can. Just get rid of him. Get rid of him. See if you get the what the most you can get for him. Get him off your teams. Um, last quickly, real quick, last one here, Edwins. I know you got to go. Uh, Tua, my boy Tua. Should I be concerned? <laughs> should I be concerned? Um, I wouldn't say you should be concerned. I think that you just have to view him from a perspective that he could he could play you know for the next two years and nothing be a problem with the hip um or he can uh play for five years and just be lightning in a bottle be lights out win a super bowl and then the next year the sixth year he has osteoarthritis and he can't play anymore that's the biggest risk but that's also worst case scenario a more realistic standpoint is that you start to see his rushing fall off you start to see his um you start to see his his mobility fall off you know maybe he misses games now and then he becomes more of a pocket passer so those are all the things you worry about with Tua, but that's down the road stuff and sort of unpredictable. So if you're the Bengals, I can I can see why you passed on him, it, and I but I think that he's a, he was a good fit for the Dolphins because the Dolphins are sort of in a um, Brian, so Brian Flores I really like Great I sort coach. of like his style. He's a he's he's like a really I think he's a really good coach with a good approach. Like he's basically saying you know. Uh, we're going to win games. We're not going to come here and just lay out and try to lose and, and intentionally tank. Um, but at the same time, we obviously know what position we're in. And I think that two is a perfect fit because even if two, does, you know, sort of uh, fall off the rails at some point um, within the next few years, because of, of the hip situation, um, then he, Brian Flores is perfectly positioned to sort of be in a win now mode, um, if that makes sense. So I think that as soon as two is ready, and I think he'll be ready by August, um, then I think that he will he will definitely be a contributor in the short term. I'm not too worried about re-injury, though, necessarily. Love it. That was no fantasy intake, guys. I just really wanted to know about Tua on this one. Again, in Dynasty, if you could get him, I mean, hold on to him. I think he could be a – obviously, I'm being a little bit biased. But in general, I think he's a good fit for someone – for a Dolphins team who's waiting – and building a good offense and getting there in the next year or two on Dynasty and redrafts, I wouldn't draft him until at least he's you know we're gonna he's gonna start at least some point this season. I think it'd just be silly to hold a roster spot for him. But uh, yeah, thank you, Edwin. Uh, I do appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, this was great. Definitely always fun. I know a lot of people always seem to love our you know the injury uh, episodes that we do here. So obviously they love appreciate you. It. <laughs> appreciate it. appreciate having you on having me on, man. Absolutely. So guys, again, you appreciate you want me back. Let me know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely get you back on at some point, especially with if another big injury pops up at some point. But uh, thank you guys for listening today. As always, um, please, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We got everything on there. Our, uh, these podcast episodes, you know, our live streams that we've been a little off right now, but we're getting back onto those soon enough. You know, rankings are on there, and hopefully, my draft guide by June 15th uh, will be live on there as well. So check that out when it comes out. And Edwin, uh, just let everyone know where they can find you at. Yeah, so find me on Twitter at fbinjurydoc. And you can also um, find me all my written content at fantasypoints.com. So that's where you can find me. Yeah, so if you guys need some injury help, guys, go check out Edwin. You know, he knows his stuff. We always rely on him and some good injury intakes there. So, um, again, also follow us on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy and follow me at Coach Stephen P. And you can always follow Jibs at Coach uh, at Hate Concho. So, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, tune in until next week. We'll be talking about AF, NFC, NFC, NFC questions with our boy Ryan. So, we do appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, take care, guys, and have a great one.